The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude. This is your tech news briefing for Thursday, February 16th. I'm Zoe Thomas for The Wall Street Journal. Canadian content for Canadian viewers. That's what lawmakers in Ottawa are expected to approve in the coming days. The new law would require digital platforms from Spotify to YouTube to Netflix to show more domestic content in Canada. The platforms say this will create problems. And so do many of the creators. Ottawa-based reporter Paul Vieira joins us to discuss the reasons behind the law and the reasons behind the dissent. That's after these headlines. We report exclusively the Justice Department has ramped up work on a potential antitrust complaint against Apple. According to people familiar with the matter, the DOJ is looking into Apple's policies governing third-party software on its mobile devices, and also whether its mobile operating system is anti-competitive, favoring Apple's own products over those of outside developers. The investigation started in 2019, but our reporter Aaron Tilley says it has escalated quite a bit under the Biden administration. The chief antitrust official at the DOJ named Jonathan Cantor They've started increasing the number of staff working on it, litigators, requests for documents, expedited timelines. And on top of that, they're also trying to clear Jonathan Cantor himself to work on the case. Jonathan Cantor and his previous career in private law had worked with a number of Apple critics. Internally, there's a bit of a question of compromise, and so he was recused, and they're working through the process of clearing him. An Apple spokeswoman declined to comment. Jim Jordan, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, is demanding information on how large U.S. tech companies moderate content on their platforms. The CEOs of Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Meta, and Microsoft received subpoenas from the committee. The subpoenas and their cover pages were viewed by the Wall Street Journal. House Republicans plan to investigate whether the Biden administration and tech companies censored viewpoints on issues such as COVID-19 policy. Representatives for the tech companies that received the subpoenas didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. Tesla will open some of its superchargers to other vehicles by the end of next year, a move that will qualify it for a share of billions of federal dollars. The White House made the announcement Wednesday, saying Tesla plans to open at least 3,500 new and existing fast chargers. Superchargers, which can repower electric cars in about 30 minutes, are in short supply across U.S. highways. Their presence is considered key to boosting EV adoption. The company didn't respond to a request for comment. Bankrupt cryptocurrency firm Celsius has reached a deal to sell its lending platform to Nova Wolf Digital Management and restart its operations. The proposed deal would provide a way out for users whose digital assets have been frozen on the platform since July. The crypto firm entered bankruptcy last year with a $1.2 billion hole in its balance sheet. Digital assets owed to retail customers make up a majority of those liabilities. The deal must now be approved by a bankruptcy court and accepted by a majority of Celsius customers. 
and U.S. cloud computing companies, including Amazon, Microsoft, and Google, are facing intensifying competition in Southeast Asia. A number of Chinese rivals are planning to invest hundreds of millions of dollars in the region in the coming years. The move is the latest example of how Chinese tech companies like Alibaba, Tencent, and Huawei are increasingly looking overseas amid tighter regulation. Our reporter Raphael Huang explains why Southeast Asia has been a prime target for Chinese companies. Chinese companies may thus see more opportunities to win market shares more quickly in the region than in other markets. They continue to develop their infrastructure. They offer lower-priced products than their American rivals and use more channel partners and resellers to help them expand the markets. They also invest long-term in cultivating local talents so that they can be more familiar with and more willing to use the Chinese technology. All right, coming up, Canadian lawmakers want digital platforms to think local when it comes to serving up content. Creators say that could hurt their global reach. We'll explain after the break. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. In the coming days, Canadian lawmakers are expected to pass a law that forces digital platforms like YouTube, TikTok, and Netflix to showcase more Canadian content. The country already has similar rules for television and radio. But there's a big catch. A lot of Canadian content makers don't support the change. Here's Vanessa Brusso, who, as of Wednesday, had just shy of 127,000 followers on TikTok. I see it as control, and I don't think it's needed in a world that we live in today that we're so accessible all over the world. Joining us from Ottawa is Wall Street Journal reporter Paul Vieira. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Nice to see you. Can you give us a little background on this law? What specifically would it require platforms to do? Because Canada lives right next door to the United States, there's always been a concern that Canadian artists, Canadian programming, Canadian songs would get shut out by the more popular U.S. programming. So starting dating back to the 60s, Canada's had rules to ensure that Canadian artists could get their uh, shows on the air, their music on the radio. And it was all about promoting Canadian stories and having venues where Canadians can tell Canadian stories. Now they want that to apply online, given the growing popularity of streaming services and digital platforms. You've been speaking with some creators who use these platforms like YouTube or TikTok. How do they feel about this law? There's kind of a divide here in Canada. We have, for instance, media producers, people who produce TV shows and movies and such, who like this law. And then you have the new Canadian digital artists. These are people who upload material up on YouTube, TikTok, what have you. And they've been able now to eke a living on these new platforms uh, because 
the algorithms they argue have allowed their content to reach people who have an interest in their stuff. What they worry about is the new rules are going to force the platforms like YouTube, for instance, to rewrite their algorithms. And there's a concern that Canadian content is going to be sent to Canadian internet users who don't really have an interest in that. So the artist's material are going to get fewer clicks, and then that's going to deprioritize them on the algorithm rankings. So the digital artists here argue that they're going to, in fact, get fewer viewers globally for their work if there's fewer clicks here in Canada. And it should be noted that YouTube has said that the proposed changes will force them to rewrite their algorithms, and we'll see what happens with that. Can you tell us specifically about some of the content creators that you've talked to? I mean, what kind of audiences do they have now? Who are they attracting as their viewers? You know, I spoke, for instance, to a stand-up comedian who used to do the clubs in Canada, and because of his TikTok following, he's now got a U.S. tour lined up. And he says he would never have gotten that kind of audience just waiting for Canadian television to air his stuff. I spoke to a South Asian mother in her 40s who on TikTok has provided uh, videos of her attempts to learn skateboarding. She says she's got a pretty big global following and that's helped her secure marketing deals. She's worried that the changes are going to pose a risk to growing her global audience. I spoke to an Indigenous woman who does not want the Canadian label, and she's worried about her audience also not growing. So that's the perspective from the content creators. How do the platforms feel about these rules? Officials for YouTube and TikTok spent a lot of time in Ottawa, Canada's capital, to try to persuade policymakers, lawmakers not to go ahead and warning of the repercussions. Part of their argument was that they're going to hurt the actual artists they're attempting to help. Netflix, Disney, other streaming platforms were also in Ottawa trying to make the case, but their argument was a bit different as they were looking for a more flexible definition of Canadian content. They argue the rules right now produce some head scratchers, you know, that for instance, the streamers, especially Netflix and Disney, are pouring a lot of money into Canada, producing TV shows and movies with Canadian crews and Canadian settings, and yet they're not considered Canadian content because the rights are owned by a foreign company, i.e. American. We have seen these rules in place for Canadian broadcasters, for TV, for radio. Is there a feeling that they helped foster a Canadian marketplace for those outlets? Music is a rather interesting example because those Canadian content rules for radio came into place in the 1970s. Some music historians will tell you that some substandard content was aired for a while, but at the same time, it's helped create this ecosystem that allowed Canadian artists to get their songs played, create a following, and then create a following in the U.S. The same applies for TV. We had shows like SCTV, Second City Television, Kids in the Hall, and of course, most recently, Schitt's Creek. There was an ecosystem in place, and because of Canadian content rules, ecosystems were allowed to flourish and then led to the production of these shows that later on became 
hits in the U.S. and globally. So there is an argument that these rules have helped the domestic industry. And there's also an argument that these rules have also been good economic policy in terms of allowing for growth of the performing arts sector in this country. What's the global picture for this? Are other countries considering similar rules, taking similar steps? This is a really good question. The platforms are worried that if Canada goes ahead with these plans, these proposals, and they're finalized and implemented, the big worry is that individual countries will now start to copy them. And that's going to force platforms, be it streaming companies, YouTube, TikTok, it's going to force them to write all sorts of algorithms for individual countries. And then that sort of poses a problem for their business model. All right. That's our reporter, Paul Vieira. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Thank you, Zoe. And that's it for today's tech news briefing. If you want more tech stories, check out our website, wsj.com. And if you like our show, please rate and review it. You can do that wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Zoe Thomas for The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude.